Please turn with me in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 14, beginning to read with the first verse. We've been following the Exodus, and we've seen how when they arrived at Mount Sinai, going from Egypt to the Promised Land, they were given the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words, as they are called in some portions of the Old Testament, the Moral Law. Then again, they were given the Ceremonial Law, which had to do with their system of worship, the tabernacle and its services, the many other laws that govern the priesthood and other things. This is contained in the book of Leviticus, the tribe of Levi being the tribe from which the priests were taken. We looked at the 11th chapter of Leviticus uh, last time where we saw the laws of the clean and the unclean. We saw that this spoke of the existence of evil all around the Christian that everywhere he looks, there's the clean and there's the unclean. And he must learn to make moral distinctions. He must discern between what is acceptable and what isn't. Then as you move on and you come to the 12th chapter, you have laws for the purification of the woman after childbirth. Having a child made the woman ceremonially unclean, and she had to be cleansed before Uh, she could be accepted back into the uh, worshiping society and so on. We wonder why would uh, having a child make a woman unclean? This has to do with the transmission of sin. First, the existence of it all around us. Second, how it's passed on. This is just another way of saying what the psalmist says when he says, in sin... Did my mother conceive me, and in iniquity was I formed? Not that the sex act is sinful, but that no one can bring a clean thing out of an unclean thing. And that this mother's sinful nature is transmitted on to the child. What she has brought forth is unclean. Her child needs cleansing. He has an unrenewed sinful nature which will show up very early in life. Someone said the only people who don't believe in original sin is people who don't have children. Uh, I can confirm that three times over. (laughs) Transmission of sin uh, through childbirth. Now today we come to uh, the portion that deals with the vileness of sin, the law of the leper. The laws that governed those who had leprosy are dwelt on in the 13th and 14th chapters. The first thing that we encounter is the requirements that applied to the leper. In the 13th chapter, in the 44th through the 46th verses, we read that. He is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean. His plague is in his head. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, and his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip, and shall cry, Unclean! Unclean! All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. Here were these regulations that governed 
the leper. Uh, leprosy in the Bible was similar to the leprosy that we are familiar with in our day, a, a disease that would start off as a small spot and then spread until it covered the entire body with a scaly substance, a corrupting substance that spread inwardly as well as outwardly, that affected the bones, the joints began to loosen, and soon the very members of the body began to drop off until the whole body just decays and falls apart in a mass of corruption. This is the leprosy of the Bible. And uh, we could see that this corruption is just sort of a living death. The regulations here set forth, number one, his sentence. He was legally unclean. Uh, Second, it set forth his sorrow as he would rend his clothes and have his head bare. Third, it set forth his state as he put a rag on his lip and then would cry unclean, unclean to warn people whenever they were to come close to him. And his separation as he was forced to dwell apart, out of the camp, away from the other healthy people. What were the reasons for these requirements? Those are the requirements, but why were these enforced? One reason was to protect the community from the spread of leprosy. It was for isolation purposes. Uh, We looked last week at the amazing uh, laws of health in reference to uh, the clean and the unclean meats and the uh, not touching a dead body and not letting a dead body touch a source of water or uh, uh, washing ourselves after we had touched a dead body and so on. And the fact that these rules had a medical value far, 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 3,500 years ahead of their time, that only in the early part of this century and the later part of last century was uh, did modern medicine discover how disease spreads through germs. And uh, Dr. A. Rendell Short, in his book, The Bible and Modern Medicine, Dr. Short is Professor Emeritus of the London uh, School of Surgery. Uh, He says that uh, this law of the leper and uh, the isolation that it involved is, is very striking for a medical man. And he goes on to say that the word quarantine that we use derived from this very system that was incorporated into Levitical law. In the 14th century, when a plague of the Black Death began to spread in Italy, the authorities noticed that in the Jewish community there was relatively little spread of this, whereas in the other community there was great death. Uh, About one out of every four people died with this Black Plague. And... uh, they tried to decide why it didn't affect the Jewish community. And they noticed that the Jews followed these regulations about isolation from infected people and not touching dead bodies and so on. So they imposed this on the rest of the populace and immediately arrested the spread of the plague. And the word for quarantine is an Italian word that comes from the period of time of 40 days that was involved here. Our very word dates back to this passage of Scripture. Not only was there a medical reason to protect others, but there was also another reason, uh, a reason 
taken from the whole point of picturing or illustrating to you and me the vileness of sin, the nature of sin. This wasn't the only disease that uh, was infectious. There are some that are much more highly infectious than this. Uh, why have this uh, poor leper rend his clothes? We're just adding to his distress if we make him do this. And the point is that God was using this particular disease as an illustration of the effect of sin in a man's life. And that's why when a man was smitten by God for some obvious sin, it would take the form of leprosy. Miriam, Moses' sister, for her rebellion is smitten with leprosy. Gehazi, uh, the servant to Elisha, is smitten with leprosy when God's wrath is executed on him. King Uzziah is smitten with leprosy because this particular disease God uses as an illustration of the effect of sin in a man's life. He's picturing here uh, the uh, spreading nature, the insidious spreading nature of sin in an individual and in a community. He's picturing here the uh, sorrow that sin brings with it and the misery He's picturing here the separated state, separated from God and separated from fellow men uh, that sin brings. The separation from God now and uh, ultimately the separation from his heaven and the punishment in hell that awaits everyone who dies without his sin having been cleansed. Uh, this is dramatically brought forth in an Old Testament event that took place in the life of King Uzziah. We read in the 26th chapter of Second Chronicles that Uzziah as a young man was pretty godly, but God blessed him, and it says, When he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God. He went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. The king was not to do this. Only the priest was to do this. The priests uh, tell him that he must not do this. Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense of altar, the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. This picture of the leper being thrust out of the temple is a picture of what would happen were a sinner uncleansed to seek entrance into heaven. All the holy angels and all the redeemed would thrust him out. Yea, and he himself would haste to go out because heaven would be held to him with an unrenewed nature. If he didn't like holiness and thou, if he didn't want God's will done in his life now, if he didn't want to be close to God now, how would he feel then in that holy place, in the very presence of God? Heaven would be held and he himself would haste to go out. The effect of sin. The incurable nature of it brings out that there was only one hope for the leper, that God would cleanse him. Only one hope for the sinner, that God would do something.
to cleanse us from our sin. We have the restoration of the leper brought before us, not only the requirements and the reasons for this, but the restoration of the leper. If a leper were healed, God healed him. He would then follow the following uh, approach. First, there was the pronouncing of him as clean by the priest. This is set forth in the 14th chapter in the second verse following. This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest, and the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper, then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds alive and clean and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times. And pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. He was to take... <clears throat> Two birds, crush one and kill it. Have a bowl of living water, water taken from a running stream. Let the blood mingle with the water. Then take the blood and sprinkle it on the living bird, pronounce the man clean and let the bird go. What's that all about? That's the ceremony. What's the significance? There are different views. But the one that I like is that the birds, both of them, represented the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ would die, but he would also rise again. All that he would do for us by way of cleansing us would be based on his death. What he does now in his risen capacity at the right hand of God is based on his death. So the sprinkling of the blood on the risen bird on the living bird that flies towards heaven. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses us, and he also raises us up. We read in the New Testament that uh, we who were dead in trespasses and sins, he has quickened, and he has raised us up together with him. We are now living resurrected lives, new lives, alive from the dead, spiritually raised if we're Christians. And we are made to be seated together with him in the heavenlies. Uh, the blood was mixed with water. <clears throat> this was to teach us that Christ saves by his spirit as well as by his death. The living water symbolized the Holy Spirit. You remember Jesus said, He that believeth on me out of his blood shall flow rivers of living water. This speak he of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit symbolized by living water. Not only does Christ save a man by his death for his sin, our sin put to his account, him paying for it in full, thus legally clearing us, but also by him sending his Holy Spirit into our hearts to renew our natures, to give us new natures, to deal with this sin that's been transmitted to us by our mother on down from Adam. Renewed natures made back into the image of God. 
In Titus 3, 5, you read this. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is what is elsewhere called the new birth. Jesus told Nicodemus, Except a man be born of the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In the death of Jesus Christ, when his side was pierced, water and blood came out of his side. God designed it that way. It was no accident that water and blood came out of the side of Jesus Christ. You say, well, it was due to uh, what happened to him when he was crucified. All right, God designed that he'd be crucified. Because the water and the blood symbolizes the twofold aspect of our salvation. Set forth in uh, the New Testament in terms of justification and sanctification. The legal side, Christ died for our sins. That's justification. The cleansing of my nature, the renewing of it, uh, the Holy Spirit coming to live within, this is sanctification. This is the changing of me so that now I can live and do God's will. Uh, in Rock of Ages, cleft for me, we set it forth like this. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. The blood cleanses from the guilt. The water or the spirit cleanses from the power of sin. You notice that it was the sprinkling of the blood and the water upon the leper that rendered him clean. It wasn't enough uh, that the blood be <clears throat> sprinkled in the water by crushing one bird. It wasn't enough that that blood be sprinkled on the other and the other released. But it was the sprinkling of the blood and the water on the individual that made him clean. This speaks of application, of appropriation. It's not enough that Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ might as well have never come into this world and never have died unless you personally appropriate for yourself what he did on the cross. How do you do that? By faith. By putting your trust in Jesus Christ and what he did as your hope of acceptance, as your justification, as your legal clearance. This is strikingly portrayed in the case of the healing of the ten lepers in the New Testament. Ten lepers come to Jesus. They stand afar off as they had to, and they said, unclean, unclean. But then they cried out and said, Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priest. Well, you only went to show yourself to the priest if you were clean, and if you had been healed. They hadn't been healed. But they picked up in that statement the promise, if you go, I will heal you as you go. When you get there, you'll be clean. And in a step of faith, they started off. And as they went, they were healed. That's the picture of how it works. When we put our trust in his promise, when we have active faith in Jesus Christ, we are cleansed of our sin. We are justified. And he gives us his Holy Spirit. That's 
appropriation. That's the sprinkling. First, the pronouncing of the sinner or of the leper clean in this process through the two birds. Second, the purging of himself. In uh, the eighth verse, he that is cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and wash himself in water that he may be clean. And after that, he shall come into the camp and shall tarry abroad out of his tent seven days. He was to wash himself, shave himself, come in, and yet he had to wait seven days before he could go into his tent. And what was this all about? What was the purpose of this procedure? To show the progressive nature of our sanctification. Our justification, our being pronounced clean legally by God, that's done in a second of time and it's settled. It's not progressive, it's complete. You cannot be any more legally cleared of your guilt than you are once you put your trust in Jesus Christ. That's complete. You never need any further legal clearance. But the inner renewal, this is a process of growth. You make progress here. And whereas you couldn't do anything to cleanse yourself from sin, you couldn't make yourself be born, you couldn't provide the cleansing efficacy of the blood, only Christ could do that. Once we are Christians, by faith in him, we can do something to purge ourselves from our old sins. We play a part in this. So it wasn't only to show the progressive nature, but also the part that we play as Christians in our Christian growth, in our growth in holiness, our sanctification. We can cleanse ourselves. In the New Testament, you read uh, where we're told to put off the old man and put on the new man continually. We're told to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. Filthiness of the flesh, the grosser sins of the body, drunkenness, adultery, this type thing. Flesh of the uh, sins of the spirit, such as pride and such as envy and such as uh, sins of this nature. We're to cleanse ourselves from these sins once we have the Holy Spirit, once we are Christians. The final and third step was his presentation before the Lord. First, the pronunciation about him. Second, the purging of himself. Finally, his presentation. In the 10th verse... The eighth day he shall take two he lambs without blemish and one ewe lamb from the first year without blemish and three tenths deals of fine flour for a meat offering mingled with oil and one log of oil. And the priest that maketh him clean shall present the man that is to be made clean and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. You notice what's being done here? He brings the regular offerings for a person to be cleansed of his guilt. He that is clean is to be made clean. We have a parallel. Already in the Levitical law had been established the procedure by which a man could be forgiven of his sin and accepted by God. 
We had a particular case of how the leper was to be cleansed, but after all, every man really has to be cleansed of his sin in the same way. And so he now follows this regular procedure of offering the lambs and so on for his sin, the lambs signifying the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The procedure is very interesting, though, as you follow it along. After the lamb had been offered, the lamb's blood was to be taken and placed on the man's earlobe, on his right thumb, on his right big toe, blood on each of these. And this signifies that this change that has taken place in our lives through the death of Jesus Christ is to be applied to every faculty of our life. Oil was then taken and oil was put on the ear and on the thumb and on the toe. The Holy Spirit's power is to be brought into every area of our lives. Now that we are Christians, we are to yield our members as instruments of righteousness unto the Lord. I'm to use my eyes not to view things that are forbidden, but I'm to use it to study the Scriptures, to hunt out people who need Jesus Christ. I'm to use them as instruments of righteousness. I'm to use my ears as instruments of righteousness. My, my thumb, my hand is to be put to work for the Lord. My foot is to go in the path of the Lord. Every area of my life is to have his stamp and his claim put upon it and to be renovated. You notice the combination, not only the application of the blood and the oil to the different points of the body, but the fact that there was a combination, the blood and the oil were both to be applied. We mustn't omit either one. It will be in vain, absolutely in vain, for you to profess to be a Christian and justified if your life isn't changed, if it doesn't affect what you do with your hand and with your ear and with your foot. Unless there's the oil, unless there's sanctification of the Spirit in these areas as well as justification, then your justification is not real. Faith without works is dead. Anyone who says that he knows Christ, but he keeps not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. On the other hand, to have the oil without the blood is of no avail. If you tried ever so hard to live according to his will, but you had never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior on the basis of his death, all of your efforts would be of no avail. Notice the separation in the two, though. We read where first the blood was to be applied. In verse 14, the priest shall take some of the blood, put it on the tip of the right ear, and so on, and then the oil. <clears throat> in verse 17, the rest of the oil, the priest shall put on the tip of the right ear, and so on. First the blood, then the oil. There is an order. This is important. First we go to Jesus Christ and put our trust in him as our Savior on the basis of his death. Then he gives us his Holy Spirit to begin to renovate our lives. That's sanctification. First, justification. Second, sanctification. People reverse it. 
People try by their own efforts to make themselves acceptable to God. That's putting the oil on first. It mustn't be done that way. The oil was to be put exactly where the blood already had been put, on top of the blood. Our efforts to cleanse ourselves through the power of the Spirit is based on our forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. The Spirit's given on that basis, and all of our efforts must be on that basis. We see here a picture of the awfulness, the vileness, and the results of sin. We see here also a picture of the amazing thing that's happened in the life of the one who's been cleansed, the restoration of the leper. Where are you? Are you a leper this morning, or have you been cleansed? Are you restored? You're one of the two. In the sight of God, you're one of the two. What evidence do you have? Has your life changed? Has that blood been applied and also the oil to the ear and to the thumb and to the toe? Has it changed the way you walk? Has it changed what you do, who you're living for? Has it affected your home life and your business life and your relationships with other people? How you use your money? What comes out of your mouth? If it hasn't changed those things, you're a leper to this day. I care not how much you may tell me you prayed and invited Jesus Christ into your life. I care not how much you may say your faith is in Him alone. If it has not changed you, you're a leper to this day. In the sight of God, you are separated from Him, and you're doomed to ultimate exclusion from His presence. If you have been cleansed, if it has affected your life, and you're trusting solely in Jesus Christ, not to change, but trusting in Christ as your sole hope, then your status is like that of the forgiven leper. The cleansed leper. What a fantastic thing God has done in your life. He's done something far greater than healing one who had physical leprosy. He's healed you of leprosy of the soul. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet my tribute bring. Ransom, healed, restored, forgiven. Who like me his praise should sing. Alleluia, alleluia, praise the Lord, the King of heaven. Oh, goodness, what he's done for me. I am like that leper who's been restored to a place in society, to my true family. I've been cleansed. I'm a member of uh, the worshiping community, and I'm going back into my tent shortly, into my heavenly home. What a fantastic thing. But I have a responsibility. I must cleanse myself. I must shave continually every appearance of evil that springs up in my flesh. After the man had been in the camp a week, he had to shave again, even down to his eyebrows. More and more, God will show me sin in my life as a Christian. And every time I see it, I've got to immediately mortify the flesh. I've got to deal with it, shave it off as close as I possibly can. Oh, it'll come back out. The flesh will show up again. And when it does, cleanse myself again and again. This is my part. This is what I must do. And thank Him. Show my gratitude. 
that leper who was cleansed. Only one went back. Jesus said, ten. Ten were healed. Where are the nine? Are you thankful for what Jesus Christ has done? Do you realize that he's done something for you that is only inadequately, but just a little bit pictured by how that leper must have felt? Then if you're here and you're still infected, you're a leper and you know it. Don't you see in the details of this that the Bible must be true? I tell you, I haven't forced any system of interpretation on this passage. This passage points to great truths that the New Testament has all the way through. This passage predicted ahead the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This passage pictured ahead the whole relationship between justification and sanctification, the giving of the Spirit, our part, God's part. Fantastic detail. How did these things come into being if God didn't give them? I tell you, the Bible is its own evidence of its inspiration. And you deny that and resist that against something you know to be true. You harden your heart when you refuse to see these things. Now, if you're here and you know that you're infected, you cannot cleanse yourself. But Jesus Christ can cleanse. He is a high priest. And he not only pronounces you clean, he makes you clean. He heals the disease. And if you will apply to him today in faith, if you'll put your trust in him, and you will really surrender your will to him as Lord of your life, this very day, you'll be restored. You will receive a new nature. That old sin that's deep within will have the back of the disease broken today. You'll become a member of his community, restored to his fellowship. But you must appropriate this. You must personally commit your life to him. Will you do it right now? Right this minute, as we bow our head, will you invite Jesus Christ into your heart by faith if you haven't? And put your trust in him as your sole hope. Let us pray. You pray in your heart the prayer that I pray out loud. If you really want to commit your life to Christ, you're willing for him to be Lord of you, and you trust in his blood as your hope of acceptance with God. Pray in your heart. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I thank you that I can be cleansed of my leprosy spiritually. Lord Jesus, I want to be cleansed. I invite you to come into my heart right now to give me your Holy Spirit. I trust in your cleansing blood to make me clean. And in faith, I believe it to be so. Amen.